All right. Welcome back to Laser Focus Mindset Podcast. As always, alongside my co-host, Tom Zargai. TZ, what's the word? How's it going? I'm locked in, baby. I'm locked in. I feel official. I got a microphone. How's it look? How do I sound? You, hey, you sound and look great. You look uh, the even gu- better. <laughs> the Guitar Center guy had a good sales pitch. He told me this is the same mic Jay-Z recorded the blueprint on. So <laughs> hope, hope, hope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was 40 bucks, but happy to be here. Thank you. As you can tell, we got a little pep in our step, and that's not because just it's Friday. We got a big-time guest bringing big-time value. You may know him from CNBC Fast Money. You may know him from Golden Gopher Football. You may know him from ESPN. You may know him and his wife, Lisa, and their philanthropy trying to find a cure for Lyme's disease. Let's go. You may know him uh, as the son of a pioneer of transplant kidney surgery. (laughs) I've given way too many clues. You guys probably already know who he is, but there's nobody more authentic, more humble than Pete Nigerian. Pete, welcome um, to the show. How you doing? You guys are awesome, man. No, it's great. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm humble. I just am a guy who I realize who I am and where I am. And, mm. and I, but I appreciate all the nice, nice things you guys say. And I'll tell you the thing I'm, I'm probably most proud of is my father. So yeah, yeah you know, no, what I mean. he did, uh, I, I, I'm a, you know, a fun-loving guy who's lived a great life, but my dad saved lives. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's somewhere way up in the pantheon of great people. Uh, passed away recently, but uh, yeah, sorry pantheon of that. great people. But uh, I'm just a guy. So, I, but I appreciate all the kind words. Hey, man, you're 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 an extension of him, and everybody sees that. So, absolutely. But right. I think we're going to kind of jump around all over the place because that's what Tom and I do. I think we have undiagnosed ADHD. But let's oh, let's mine's start diagnosed. With- mine's diagnosed. <laughs> there we go. Um, let's start kind of with your journey. So, you know, you're a, you know three time All Big Ten stud linebacker at the University of Minnesota. Let's start there. Where your mindset was, kind of how you started to develop the the Pete Nigel that we see today yeah that's a really good question I I would say that it really started for me quite honestly Joe was um, at Central High School in Minneapolis I went to an inner city school uh, could have gone to a lot of other schools and my dad made the decision that uh, we had just moved from California and we were going to go to the school that was assigned to where we're going to go and so Mm -hmm. we uh, there were three high schools closer to my house than the high school I ended up going to Really? Um, but it was all back. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> I'm dating myself with you guys, especially, but this, <laughs> is, this is the late seventies and, 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 you know, busing and, and, uh, you know, integrating schools and all of that kind of thing. So I went to a school that was, uh, virtually primarily, uh, all black and or Hispanic and Mexican. And, you know, I was definitely, um, something very unusual at our school. I, was, mm. I think one of the first white guys to play basketball at our school and I don't know how many years, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, you know, growing up and, and going to that as a high school, um, I cherished every second of it. I loved it. You know, I was never intimidated. I was never uh, frustrated. I was never angry. I loved, I loved where uh, the people that I was with, as a matter of fact, one of the guys got a scholarship to the University of Minnesota with me and he was my roommate for the first two years. He was also a linebacker, TC Roller. Sure. And uh, great kid, man. We're still friends to this day. He's a wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, interestingly, this is timely in a way. Uh, the, the trial for George Floyd is go- just starting to kick in. And mm-hmm. that was literally three blocks from my high school where that all occurred. Wow. So, wow. And my junior high was just in between both of them. So uh, all very tied into to who I am, what I am. But I'll tell you, growing up there and learning from 
all that stuff in terms of it doesn't matter about the money, doesn't matter about, you know, any of the things that so many people get caught up in. I think uh, the, the journey started for me from Central of learning how to be a guy who understands that not everybody has everything. And a lot of mm. people, have, you know, TC lived in a house, six people, and I think it was one bedroom, one bathroom. So, uh, you know, it's um, a different world than I grew up in, but, you know, we all got along really, really well. Matter of fact, there's a guy doing a documentary on Central High School right now, and I just did a piece for it the other day because it's uh, – it's amazing how we kind of figured things out, black people, white people, Mexican people. I mean, everything in the world, girls and guys and everything. And, you know, uh, we had a, our, our principal was a female, a black female. I mean, you know, we, we're as progressive as it gets, man. Right. <laughs> so yeah, sure. that, that really did kind of set the tone for, for me going into college and then um, playing football at the University of Minnesota while I was going to school. And, uh, I'll tell you what, the experience and everything you learn from, you you, you get humbled quickly. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that it's a good thing that you do. Like I went to the University of Minnesota when I went there, I went there as a running back. And I literally uh, was probably 10th string running back at the University of Minnesota. And the weird part was I was a blue chip guy. I was, you know, supposedly the highest ranked guy in the state of Minnesota and blah, blah, blah. I got recruited around the country. I last minute go to Minnesota and I'm playing on the, and it, but the light came off, lit up for me because I realized they didn't recruit me to be a running back. They recruited me to be a linebacker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're, just, they're just waiting for me to figure this out. <laughs> so I, I, I uh, you know, I got humbled early and, and, you know, I went there thinking I like every guy, you know, that that's lucky enough to get a scholarship. I'm going to go there. I'm going to be a superstar. And I'm, you know, this is going to be great. I go there. I'm so humbled. I can't tell you. I mean, I'm last string running back. I get moved over to linebacker when things get figured out. And, um, and I was frustrated and almost transferred schools. I was angry about a lot of different things. I was doing poorly in school and I'd always been a good student. And so, uh, you know, I really had to get my act together and turn things around. And I think that's where things really did change for me in a lot of ways, because suddenly I started to say, you know, I create my own destiny. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that really was a big thing for me because I was very easily got sucked into the idea of, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not getting treated right. I'm getting screwed about this and that, and I'm angry about things. And, and really, it came back to just, I got to step up to the plate. and uh, Take ownership, yeah. Yeah, and fortunately, I, I did, uh, thank goodness, because otherwise, you know, I don't think I'd, I'd have had much success afterwards. But the good news was, I, I, I got in there and really started to work school-wise, football-wise, all of that. I ran track there at the University of Minnesota for a while as well. I was a high hurdler. So I, I, I just really enjoyed using – you guys talk about energy. I had to get my energy out and my frustration <laughs> yeah, sure. out. And so I was, I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and literally after the first quarter and, and then the second quarter of school, uh, things started to turn around a little bit. And then it started to accelerate for me and um, – and I'm really thankful and, and happy that I didn't quit, that I actually persisted and, and just continued to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I think there's a lot to unpack there. I think, you know, when we say this podcast is called laser focus, right? You can focus on the, the negative side of things. Oh, I'm, you know, 10th string running back or, I'm you know, <laughs> so, you know, got a C on that last test or, or worse or, or what worse. have you. Yeah. Or worse, what have you, or you can focus on, okay, I have the opportunity to, you know, outwork and outbeat these guys to get and earn that spot and go and study in the classroom and earn this great education on a scholarship. And that's exactly what you did. And that's kind of how your mindset shifted as well. Yeah. 
um, you know, what, going off that, I guess, you know, was your dream to make it to the NFL or, you know, was that always something that was in, in your mind and your vision? You know, it, it was, uh, and, and, and I think almost everybody, of course, when they go, whatever sport they're in, they, they're, they're hopeful that they see a path to maybe get there to the next level, mm -hmm. uh, to the professional level. And so um, I, was, I was in that category. I was lucky because I had three older brothers. And I know, Joe, you come from a big family of football. And I mean, you guys, you guys were awesome. All of, all, I love the whole family. You guys are just, you're, you really are. I mean, Steve and Dave, some of the greatest guys of, of human history. And, I don't know about that, but we appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot then, of humble pie here. And, and then you got some guys in Iowa, you know, we can forget about them. But anyway, yeah, exactly. so, uh, <laughs> no, but. But everything, you know, it's 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 an interesting path, and you, uh, I, I literally because I had three older brothers, I did learn from each one of them, and I watched their process of what they were doing, how they were doing it, and I, I'll tell you, uh, the good thing too, not only being humbled, but also being schooled by my family. After every single game, every single game mm -hmm. I ever played at at the University of Minnesota, I'd have to go to dinner with my family, and that was the entire family, and then all, all my three brothers, my father, and my mother would critique my game. And, and, I know, and I know that very well. Brothers party. But <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying that because they had the best parties at the U. But anyway, uh, so you know, it was it was something interesting because you know they each every everybody would throw in a little chip of something, and you know it was it was fun because. A, I, I enjoyed it, and I, I'm a coachable guy, and so I would yeah. listen, including my mother, who probably more than almost any woman, maybe uh, maybe your grandmother, Joe, but other than, I'll tell you, my my mom saw more football in her lifetime than any woman should ever have to be, That's <laughs> awesome. have to That's see. Awesome. I mean, there was a point in time where my mom went to my games on Thursdays in high school, my brother Paul's games on Friday in high school, my two brothers we're playing college football on Saturdays and then we had to have gopher football too, but then we'd have the Vikings on Sundays and then Monday night football. So, mm. <laughs> you know, that was, that was our house. But uh, so everybody would give me their uh, criticisms at dinner and, and it was great. And I learned a lot and I watched some of the path that they took each one of them that uh, I could see where they stumbled and I could learn from that and I could do other things. And so, because of that, I was convinced that I had a good shot. And then luckily I had some um, success uh, fairly early on. And with that, it made me even more start to think about, you know what, I think I can play at the next level. And, yeah. um, and you know, that is a goal. It was definitely a goal. I was pre-med just like mm. your uncle Dave, but yeah. uh, you know, and he and I, you know, good friends live right next to each other in college. And, and I'll tell you, it was really a, a, a great experience because he was driven. He was far more driven, I think, to be in med school than he was football. And I was a little <laughs> bit more on the football side, but I did, you know, med school side too. My dad was the chief of surgery at the University of Minnesota, so I couldn't slack too much. <laughs> yeah. But, so, um, you know, it's amazing. So, I, but, but, but my goal was to play in the NFL. And so I was fortunate to be able to get that opportunity. Yeah, I just had a quick question around like kind of your circle and everything. And, you know, it's funny to hear that you were so open minded to your 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 family. Right. I feel like my dad will be the first to say, like, I'm the last person you'll ever take. I'll say the same thing. You'll go listen to somebody else's dad and he'll say the same thing and you'll take his advice. Right. <laughs> so I guess my, my question is, is kind of a twofold one about being open minded, but also, you know, kind of the circle that you have, like how important it is with who you surround yourself with. Uh, did you ever have a point where you felt like maybe your group was kind of pulling you down a little bit? And if you did, 
and not necessarily the, the ones that you've described so far, like how did you kind of get out of that? So, and, and make the kind of mindset shift, like I need to be around people that are just always trying to make me better. Cause that's what your family was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's a great question. And, and for whatever reason, and I can't even tell you, cause I always thought of this as a father myself. Um, how did my family get to the point where I, I would listen, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, because that is a difficult thing. It's far, far easier to learn from somebody else outside of your family. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, my dad being the special guy that he was and my mom being the special lady that she was, it was, it was a little easier for me to listen to them. And I watched my dad's path. He was a college All-American football player. He played both ways at the University of California, played in the Rose Bowl. The guy played semi-pro while he was in med school. He mm -hmm. graduated college in two years and went to med school for wow. his last two years. And then he yeah. created the drug that everybody used in society for the last 50 years for immunosuppression for transplantation anything that goes into your body people use my dad's drug so you know i listen to guys like that yeah okay that's a little bit different no disrespect to my father but that's a little bit different <laughs> but you know so uh so that part did make it a lot a lot easier to listen to my dad listen to my mom listen mm. to my brothers and and uh but to your point about some of the bad stuff you know one of the things that i really did see and and you know with 100 plus football guys on the same team um I lived with guys that uh, every once in a while I would I would go to the library after after practice almost regularly almost every single day pretty much every single day and I would come back to my apartment and there would be guys in there uh, doing things that are probably illegal and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I'm and I'm walking back in there and I'm thinking man I think I'm doing the right thing as much fun as this looks like these guys are having um, what is the path from that what does that mm -hmm. look like you know where. I'm not looking five and 10 years out yet, but at that point in time, I was definitely looking at it saying, you know, I can tell myself easily that that is not the right way to go. And so, uh, you know, I had aspirations for a lot of things and I, I couldn't afford to do that. I mean, I, I'll never forget times and actually your, your uncle Dave and I did this together, but we would come back from away games and, and literally uh, go to the library for a few hours before we'd go to a party. Really? So wow. I'd get back, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night and go to the library over on the west side of the University of Minnesota campus and go to the library for three, four hours, get there about midnight and go to the party then. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, that's laser focus. I was going to say laser focus tip number one, Pete Nigerian, <laughs> is help out your future self. Think about your future self. Mm. Present you should be thinking, how can I help the, the future me? Yeah. Well and, you know, and I think that, you know, the problem that I never wanted to be the guy either that uh, I never liked it. And, and it's always a, it's an old expression, obviously, but excuses, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I didn't want to be that guy who had the excuse. Well, well, I didn't have this. I didn't have that. I didn't have time to do this. And you really mm -hmm. do. We all know that we do. I mean, even now at this time, I'm 57 years old. I still make myself get up every single day at 5am. I go to the gym, I get my gym workout wow. out of the way, get the adrenaline going. And it literally shoots you into the day. And on, on days like today where I didn't get to do that, I'd bring my wife to the airport, but uh, you know, it's, it, you, you lose that energy rush. You know, you don't get that start of your day the way you want. And so actually when I came back, I did go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're on video right now too, you could tell that PJ Flex probably trying to recruit him for linebacker <laughs> next season if he's got eligibility left. This guy's got arms that are bigger than my waist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
win, but, so yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. I've heard uh, if you're familiar with David Goggins, he says he wants yeah. to win. He wants to win the war in the morning, and yeah. I think that's so important because the day it's so easy to lose the day uh, with emails and calls and TV and what's going on in the world. But you know, those two hours in the morning, nothing can really touch you, and you can focus right. on those things to get you ready for the battle. So I think that's and you, you know late. And your guys' generation, whatever, which, whichever one you end up calling yourselves or whatever, <laughs> I think it makes it tougher for you guys than it was for me, quite frankly, because we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have mm -hmm. that connectivity, we barely had computers. I mean, you know, literally. And so, you know, in the, I'm talking about the early 80s. And, and, and so, you know, in some ways, it was a little bit easier for us because it wasn't that immediate, you know, gratification or that immediacy of, of a text or, a, a, you know, a tweet or any of this kind of stuff. Right. None of that existed. So, yeah. you know, in, it, I think you have a tougher, it's tougher for you guys. And it, it forces you to have even more discipline to set your phone down for three hours and not look at it, not, not touch it for three. I mean, I tell you, I look, I look at, at a lot of young people and quite frankly, even people my age who the addiction to the immediacy of, I need to know this right now is brutal. I well mean, said. it's really, really brutal. And instant I, and gratification. I, yeah. and, and I'm sure when we get into your profession, we'll talk a lot about, exactly. about that with everybody <laughs> trying to get rich quick. Exactly. Yes. I think that's a perfect transition. So you know, you come out of the NFL, right? And then you join your brother, John, on the, on the trading floor. Mercury Trading, right, was yep. the company. Yep. Walk us through that. Did you kind of fall in love with options right away? Or I guess we'll, we'll back up a little bit. You know, for guys like Tom and myself, you know, we're, we know what stocks are, but what, yeah. what's an option? You know, yeah. What, yeah. what is it? Dumb it down for guys like uh, Tom and myself. Sure. Well, um, you know, it's uh, I got to the end of my NFL and World Football League career. And so, uh, you know, I... I was the guy, I, I realized who I was. Matter of fact, at, long, at one time I had a book written and, I, and unfortunately something happened to it, but um, so I have to redo it. But I called it 57th man because there are, you know, 57 guys on a roster in the NFL because you've got the, you know, the extra guys. It was 53 men, but you had the extras and whatever. And so, um, yeah, I had a great time playing in the NFL. And then I, I was trying to, I, I wanted to go to med school, but it was the wrong timing wise and time of year. So I had to delay that. I went to the trading floors in Chicago, the CBOE, Chicago Board Options Exchange. It was the most uncomfortable thing I'd ever walked into in my life because like what you're saying, I mean, it is a really difficult thing to define options and what they are. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, look, you're, you're buying oil or you're buying gold or you're buying IBM or Intel or Apple or whatever right. stock it might be. But when you when you go to the next level and they call it derivatives, the next level, um, the option side, it's really complex. And they have all these different values and different months and when do they expire and all of these different things that go into it. And I won't uh, go too much deeper than that. But the reality is it was a really overwhelming experience. And to suck in the information to try to figure out what am I doing? You know, and, I, and you, start, you start to feel pretty stupid, quite frankly, because you're watching all these other people, some of whom have not even barely graduated high school or, or even college that are on the floor that figured it out. And, you know, they, they've been there for years and years and years, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a really an uncomfortable thing until you finally, there is, there comes this day where it clicks. And for mm -hmm. me, it finally did. And when it did, all of a sudden, you know, the light goes off and you're like, okay, now I get it, you know. And how, you how long into that? 
how long was, into how long into it was like you you got there right was it months was it years yeah that's a great question and um and, and i think everybody eventually gets it and everybody's path to get there is different um for me it took months um mm -hmm. wow. from the day i got there till the day i actually came to becoming a trader was about exactly a year and so within that year though that first six months was just absolutely horrendous and awful and uncomfortable and i was not happy about how how stupid i really felt every single day because i would come up to the office and sit there and go i have no idea still what's going on i can't figure this whole thing out and then when i finally did and it started to click for me then all of a sudden it got really interesting because all the information that i was i was a runner and all the information that i was running back and forth was <laughs> And this is funny because, you know, now you guys can all do this with a click, you know. Yeah, right. Train. This was yelling and screaming and all the craziness. And I'm grabbing all the papers and stuff that, that are telling what the trades were. And I'd have to run over to a computer that's as big as a mailbox. Now, now, now you know, you got, you got a computer like this to do it. But, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you'd feed all the information in and come back and give the uh, and, and give everybody uh, whatever updates that they needed of the traders. And so. Once that happened and once I started to get the feel, I was like, God, I finally get it. I find, and I and I was piecing it together and I was and then I became I had to take just one test and then I became a trader. And then it really starts to just flow because you 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 really start to click and everything is moving at once. And it's awesome. I, there are times where, you know, the movie trading places, everybody always talks about that with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, uh, it's probably too old for you guys, but you should <laughs> oh, watch. It's a fun movie, actually. <laughs> I was just but, like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> it's a great movie for anybody who wants to understand a little bit about what trading was like for me, at least, because I stood on the trading floor, and the bigger you are, the more easily you'll be seen, and the crazier you look with a guy like me <laughs> and with all the no, you look crazier, Wall Street. You, you know, people. <laughs> But you stand out and somebody right. will go, okay, uh, I heard 20 voices, but I'm going to point at Joe because he's Ooh. got the Minnesota shirt on and yeah. I like Minnesota, you know, so that's, that really was how it works. I mean, if I went screaming like this to get a trade, they're going to look at me and say, hey, Nigerian, well, how many do you want? You know, and then you, and that's part of the whole trading back and forth hmm. with uh, the brokers that come in. I just, I just have a quick question to take a step back and sorry, Joe, if you, you had a question, but. You're when when you're kind of going through those months of you know I don't know if I can do this and you, a lot of self doubt there right our our target audience right now or you know is going to be our immediate connections and a lot of them are in their 24 25 26 range finding a passion is is extremely difficult especially when you haven't tried a lot of things what was it about like trading that made you want to stick it out did you know you had a passion for it or because like I would think that somebody would only stick that out if they knew that like this is where I want to go next. Yeah, that it. You know what? Here's what I loved about it. It was competitive. Mm. It was it was so close to football without a crowd. Uh, so football in 2020. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, <laughs> sure. it, it literally because you That's know you, you're executing trades and you know you don't get applause. You don't have cheerleaders. You don't have anything. But you you know and. I'll tell you, there is something about the competitive atmosphere, and that's what I loved about it because it was it was just like you were competing on the field with another guy who's trying to get that linebacker spot and blah blah blah. And you're gotcha. You know, you're okay. going, and when you're standing in the middle, like I stood in a trading pit of about 150 guys, and um, 
very quickly I I became the guy. And, mm. and it's not a pat on the back. It's none of the, I, just, I just was aggressive enough to say, you know what? I figured this out and I'm going to go for it. Go for and it. I would, Confidence. I would literally leave it on the field, except in mm. this case, I'd leave it in the trading pits. And, uh, yep. you know, you stand in one spot all day long, literally with your shoulders together with everybody around you until it really gets crazy and you're jumping up and down. And, you know, if you're winning, you feel so much better you know when you beat guys <laughs> to a trade you know and you do this you do that and um it really is a, a, a huge rush and it's the closest thing to a sport i mean our our trading for a mercury um we mostly had former athletes we had guys from the nhl the nba we had guys from the nfl uh we had people from other things that are very competitive as well even even like board games and we had guys that that were chess guys you know that just they were really competitive, but they, and they could do math really quickly. They could figure things out. And, you know, because they had that competitive edge, I mm -hmm. think they had an edge over the kid who comes from Yale, who's got a business degree, who cares, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter. I used, I used to laugh at those guys all the time. They're like, yeah, that's great, man. But this ain't Yale anymore. Is it? This isn't Harvard. That's You're right. standing in Chicago. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing with when you when you got to the University of Minnesota. You were like this rah rah guy. Everybody you talked up, and then you're back at the bottom of the totem totem pole. So <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. Right. Yesterday's yeah, focus tip number two. Today, it doesn't win today's game exactly. Let's go. But uh, building off that, we'll we'll kind of wrap things up shortly here. But I wanted to talk oh. about so uh, you know competition and competitiveness obviously fuels you and is part of your drive, but. So you guys, you and your brother sell this Mercury Trading Company, right? You know, have success. I'm sure that was an awesome win for both of you. But now you guys started another venture, I guess. What what keeps you going today? Like what wakes you up at five in the morning to take advantage of every opportunity that you're given? I guess what, uh, you, always wanna be the, you, you always want to be the best at what you're doing, right? Or at I least the best version of what you are. Uh, you know, I, I'm, sure. I'm okay. You know, that's the funny thing about it is ego can be a really bad thing. And, mm. and it kills people all the time. I think the reality is I don't try to compare myself to, to make it even worse. I don't try to compare to Warren Buffett, right? Mm. But I appreciate, learn from him, understand what he's doing. And I have taken so much from him, um, how he approaches the markets still to this day in his nineties, um, that I, I have full appreciation. I don't think enough people do that. Though. I mean, there are people who I work with now who will say things like, well, the old man's not got it anymore. And I'm sitting there going, really? Let's see. Last year when everybody else was running during the pandemic and scared to death, the old man was buying Apple when it was getting beat up. He was buying up. Yeah. You know? So, uh, you know, but but I think the reality is that you you can't just sit there and try to compare yourself to you. So I just oh. try to be the best me every single day. And, you know, we, when we sold our, our, uh, our company before, Option Monster, Trade Monster was the, the company. We sold Mercury to Citadel, which is a big Chicago firm and mm -hmm. biggest hedge, hedge fund in the world, practically. Uh, Ken Griffin, he's an awesome guy and does an amazing job. Um, and then we moved on and had Mercury, or I mean, Market uh, Rebellion. Now we have Market Rebellion. We had Trade Monster and Option Monster. We sold that to E-Trade. And we, we just kind of sat there looking at each other one day. My brother and I were like, you know what? We should do it again. We can make it even better. And so that's where market rebellion is. And we, uh, you know, we educate people. We try to do that. I don't want to do an infomercial or anything like that. But, you know, we love what we do. And we want other people to understand why do these guys trade options versus stock? Mm. 
And I can tell you really easily, and you guys are young enough, so you can, you can actually sort of appreciate this for sure, but the financial crisis really changed the markets, the stock markets. And what happened was all the leverage in the market, all of the things that used to be such a big prevalent part of the market got removed. Well, the only thing that didn't get taken away was options. And that's where leverage is. So, you know, it's funny. You'll see me smirking sometimes if you're watching the show. And I'm not saying you have to ever watch the show. But if you ever watch the halftime show, you'll see me kind of kind of go like this. And I'll be snickering. And I can't help myself because I'll hear somebody say, well, I bought that stock and it's up 8%. And they're, you know, kind of patting themselves on the back. And I'm sitting there snickering because it might have moved 8% as a stock but the options went up 200%. So mm. why do you think I'm sort of laughing more than that guy? <laughs> right. <Sure. laughs> because that's where leverage is. And, and you know, that's the, the good and the bad because things don't always work and they don't always go up, but uh, you know, and, there, and you have to be right about the time frame. That's the part about options that makes it a little more, you know, not only volatile, but a little more dangerous and, and, and so forth and risky because you have to be right within a time frame, and you have to be right, you know, on a lot of different levels. But uh, the risk reward for me is great, and so I, I absolutely live for it every day. It's a lot better advice than what I'm getting from my buddy who works at Radio Shack pitching me stocks. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a GameStop. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been better. Radio Shack's out of business. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Oh, man. No, I think what you said about uh, and, and this is a little ways back before you got in kind of the whole options thing about comparing yourself. But again, Joey and I's generation, you have Instagram, Facebook, everybody's kind of pocket watching Oh, who got a new Audi and, and things like that. And fo- people are focused on the wrong things, man. They're 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 so and, and people literally become depressed by what they see other people have and what they have and they're not focused on the best that they can be so i, I just think i just want to get that's a really well Le- said lesson, lesson number three laser focus lesson number three comparison's the thief of joy comparison is the thief of joy my guy joey puck with well, with the quotes <laughs> well i'll tell you, you you know it's it is so true because uh i i'm in the world with these guys right mm-hmm. and i lived when i lived in connecticut i lived in a very uh incredible town filled with nothing but wealth and, mm. and you know that was all great but I was still Pete Najeri and the guy walking around in a pair of Hawaiian trunks and a tank top I mean I'm not going to change just because I'm living in New Canaan Connecticut right I mean right. so I think a lot of the problem is people have no identity doesn't matter mm. what their age is in this case because these right. are 40 and 50 and 60 year old men and women and and then, you know, you look at the younger side of the generation where they've never had a worry in the world and they go, they get to drive their Porsche to high school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, and the problem is that that becomes the standard. And so that's where all those comparisons come in. I don't do that. I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm not joking with you. I drive one of our old teammates, a guy named Jim Hobbins, was an offensive tackle in, in college with me and one of my favorite people in the world. He's from Green Bay, Wisconsin, played for the Packers for a while. Jim Hobbins had a 2008 Chevy Tahoe with about 320,000 miles on it. And he called me up. He goes, you know, a couple of years ago, you said you might want to buy my Tahoe. <laughs> were you for real? I said, yeah. I Come said, I on. still want it. And he goes, 500 bucks, it's yours. And so I, 
That's what I drive. Come on. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, that wow. is incredible. That and is and incredible. I, I sit here, uh, me and Joe Puck, uh, Joe is not a owner anymore, but the, the 2012 Ravioli, the Rav4. I love it. I'd <laughs> hey, I'd rather I'd rather be Tom Jar guy with an identity in the 2012 Ravioli than be someone who I don't even know who I am driving a 2021 BMW. So right. you got to find the identity of yourself. That's so much yeah. more important than the car. And those, okay. and those things are not, you know, it's okay if people want to have what they want to have or whatever. Sure. But it, the problem is, to your guy's point is, it, it's so true. That, then it's all, it, it, if, if it's about comparing yourself, mm. then you're doing it for the wrong reason. I mean, no you have to have such and such, you know, because somebody else does. That's terrible. I, I just, yeah. my kids didn't have, they didn't get any privileged anything. My daughters, right. my daughter and son did not get their phones until a certain time in their lives. They didn't get brand new cars ever. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, so they, they had to do what they had to do, just like I did. You know, and I, I remember going through high school and, and into college and driving around in this big station wagon. You guys even know what a station wagon yeah, is? I do, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> My first car had a phone in it, so I love that. It was a 97 Ford Taurus. I used to drive around and be like, Mom? You know, they got replaced by all the SUVs and everything, but, you know, they, they, were, they were the greatest car, and, and I drove that all through college. You know, it was, it was great. At the University of Minnesota, I had this huge boat of an Oldsmobile that doesn't even exist anymore, but uh, shows you how old, you know. But, but that is, you know, it, it's all good. You know, you can't, you can't worry about all that stuff. And, and I love that you guys have what you're doing with this laser focus because I think it's, it's needed. I think it, I really do. I think people have really kind of gone off and I see it on social media because I'm in social media. I do a lot of the things that, that the 24 and five-year-old crowd do, mm. but I also understand what it's really, what's really going on there, you know, mm. with the Instagram and with Clubhouse and with all these different crazy things that are out there. Um, you know, it's great for my business, so I do yeah, it. But right. uh, I always tell my wife, the day I sell this company, I will not have this uh, device ever again. Disconnecting, <laughs> wow. huh? I love there that. I love that. Well, Pete, no, we're we're enjoying this very much, and I know our guests and listeners are as well. But to kind of wrap things up, I guess last question: We kind of talked about this before we hopped on. You know, 25, 26 year olds. I think I heard this this morning. Some guy was pitching me like Dodge Coin or Cat Coin or something of that nature. You know, everybody's looking for the the get rich quick, get rich overnight scheme. I guess from our perspective, let's say you know somebody's listening right now in their car. You know, they want to get involved with options. They want to get involved with stocks. Where can they get, you know, education from a guy like yourself? And how would you go about that? Yeah, and I'm not here to pump. We, we have a book. I'm not going to even talk about the name of the book because it doesn't matter, you know, or whatever. But uh -oh, what are you doing? Yo, <laughs> yo. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> but, Keep going. Keep you know going. There are a lot of books out there. I think that there are books that people should read and understand the markets better, understand the derivatives market, which is the options market, uh, better than they do. I think the biggest problem I saw go on with the whole GameStop trade and Robinhood and, and, and many others was that people just didn't understand what they're doing and what their risk was. They, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the thing that I've been, I've brought that up since. January of 2007, I started on CNBC and I was doing the uh, Fast Money Show. Mm -hmm. And I've always tried to educate people as best I can in a very short period of time, but that's not enough time. So I think people do have to, there's so much information out there on Google and all the wonderful things that 
you know, I, I bring up a lot of the negative things about all these things, the social media, this and that and the other, and the computers and the phones. There's so many positives too. You can Google sure. anything. You can For find sure. it out. You can research a lot of different things. And, you know, I, I was on TV day and night during the GameStop stuff in January because people couldn't figure out, hey, what in the world's really going on here? And, you know, I, I tried to, you know, not dummy it down, but break it down a little bit for them and try to explain what was really going on, which was there was more shares sold on the stock than existed in the stock. And it's, <laughs> right. it's hard to fathom that, but that mm -hmm. is something that is possible. And we're seeing it play out almost every single day still. So it's, um, you know, there's, there's so many different facets of, of what goes into the derivatives markets that uh, it's impossible to explain in two, two minutes or five minute things on WCCO here in Minnesota or anywhere else. Yeah. But, you know, I, I try to just tell people, hey, look, you have, if you have a little bit of an understanding and if you have a want to understand it even more, there's so many ways that you can research it, whether it's books. We have education through our, our company, too, but there's a million of those out there as well. And it's just, you know, there's so many answers can be found. You know, not all of them are exactly right. So fact check them on Google and stuff. But uh, so many answers can be found there. And, and you know, I, I use the derivatives markets in a very uh, different way than a lot of guys do. I actually protect a lot of what I'm doing through that market and buying mm. things that, that give me protection, almost like buying an insurance policy on a, on mm. a house or a car. So, and I always say that to people, I'm like, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? You, you buy insurance on your car that's worth 10 grand, but you have a $10,000 stock trade on and you have no insurance whatsoever. I said, so what do you think? Right. <laughs> and people look at me like, oh, well, how do I do that? And I'm like, well, <laughs> That's what I kind of can do. So, um, you know, that it, there is a lot of different ways to do things. You can you can do them for for sport to, to some degree, you know, and I, and I do that. And, and I trade just about everything on the planet Earth. I'm not afraid of the uh, the little stocks that nobody's ever heard of and all the rest of these kinds of things or the, the great big guys. I'll trade whatever, but um, always knowing what my risk is and what my risk tolerance level is. That's really important and not very many people People say they know their risk and their risk tolerance until it happens. It's like the old, you know, uh, you had a good plan until you got punched in the face kind of thing. You know, <laughs> there like you go. That, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like that. It's like, well, okay, well, what is your plan? <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Well, well, well said. And uh, we had poor poker faces there, but <laughs> Pete's a humble guy and he, he didn't want to say the book, didn't want to promote the book. So we'll do it for him. But him and his brother got a great book here. Follow the smart money. My dad says it's one of the easiest reads, one of the easiest things to understand. And if he's saying that, that's definitely saying something. Oh it's man, we're beating up on our dads today. <laughs> <laughs> and can it attest for, but we're doing a leaders are readers giveaway with follow the smart money here. So in order to win, you got to be following Pete Nigerian on Twitter, following him on Instagram. I think it's at real Pete Nigerian. We'll post everything in the video. And then you got to comment your favorite stock that you like right now. Maybe you're not into Ooh. stocks, but favorite company ticker in the comments. We'll have the drawing and uh, you'll get this book and learn from one of the greats, one of the masters, professional trader. Pete, thank you so much for the time. A little focus, a little football, a little finances. Tom, Ooh. what do you got to say? Hey, I, 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 this was great. Pete, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to putting this out there. And I think everybody's going to see the value in what you had to say today. Oh, you guys are the best, man. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate that you guys care enough to do what you're doing. 
and have me on. And also, I just love the laser focus idea because people need to have that. There's, there's too many distractions out there, man. You guys are doing the right thing. It's going to help people out. It's great. Well, we appreciate it, Pete. Row the boat. Sky Ma, go Gophers. Laser focus. Have a great day, everybody. Have See a great weekend. Take care. Bye. See you guys.